0: Okay, comics. Okay, oh, I love it. Comics, oh my gosh, love them. How about, uh, about action packed games, like board games and, or, or apps? What, what type of uh, board game, or maybe not board games, but what type of uh, apps or games that you like on your phone that's action packed? Hill climb racing. Hill climb racing? Okay, what's that? Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird. Okay. That's <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. Go ahead. Uh, not, a, not a mobile game, but a, like computer game Doom Eternal. Doom Eternal. Oh yeah, that is action packed and gruesome, very gruesome, very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the see, see, back in my day was the first Doom. Yes, yeah. So that's that's my day, and I love it, love it. Man, the graphics were amazing at that time. Absolutely. I played the original. It's good. It is good. So. The cool thing about the Bible is that it's pretty action-packed. If you really think about it, if you really really read it, it's very suspenseful. A lot of drama, a lot of a lot of suspense. But it's in a different culture, so it's not what you're thinking. So when we went to the movie on Sunday, we sat in a theater and we got to see a really cool Dramatic, action-packed film. We were entertained, right? We were entertained. Back in Jesus' time, how they were entertained wasn't with movies. It was with debates. (laughs) Who's on the debate team at school? Do you know anybody on the debate team? Yeah, 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 those nerds, right? (laughs) They're not. Actually, they're very brave, they get one topic, right? When you do impromptu debates, you get a topic, and you got to argue it. The one person you don't want to argue with, someone from the debate. Team. Yeah, it's Caleb Hobb. Yeah, no, just kidding. Or Mrs. Mrs. Pearson, right? Um, which are we <laughs> I won't go there. We found okay. <laughs> um, So here here we have in Luke chapter 10, go and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Now you've heard this before, believe me. Most of you have heard the Good Samaritan. I'm wondering why this is called the Good Samaritan. You would say, well, it's because of a Samaritan who was good. Okay, that's obvious. But I hope as we begin to unfold this suspenseful dramatic event that maybe you'll title it something else. See, one thing that we do, one thing that we do as Christians, is we look at the Bible and we see what? Chapters, verses, and titles. Subtitles, subtopics. But I want to challenge you, when you read a passage, when you read a context, title it yourself. Subtitle it yourself. Why not? What's the what is the main message? I think that's important. It makes your the brain juices flow. Makes you think. What is this really about? Before we get into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, may I decrease that you may increase. May the ears and the hearts of the people be open to your word, and may they be transformed when they step out of this place. It's only by your Holy Spirit that this can happen, not by my words, but by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, verse 25, let's go. Get your uh, sleeves up. Let's dig into it, shall we? I love this part. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test. To put who? Jesus, Jesus, the Sunday school answer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what's happening here? Well, Jesus is in a public forum, and he is surrounded by individuals. Now, in order for us to understand this situation, we have to know the characters, right? We have to know the characters. And so who... Are we reading? Who's who's the author? Luke. Luke. Who is Luke? Does anyone know? I know he was a doctor. He was a doctor. Good. So if he's a doctor, he can probably write well. He's educated. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that Luke did is that he recorded the witnesses that followed Jesus. Right? Yes! Bingo! Historian. So when you read Luke, you're reading an historian. He's a doctor. We know in the beginning of the book of Acts, that he was actually hired to do this by somebody, most likely, because you know what? The paper that you have in front of you and the pen that you have back in those days was very expensive, very expensive, and you only had one shot to write and record things, and so they took the best and the brightest to record the gospel of Luke. So Luke, here we are. Luke is writing about a or writing a witness testimony. Somebody's telling them him this story. And so now we have a little bit about the author and what his purpose is. What is the purpose of Luke? What's the purpose of the book? Go ahead. To learn from Jesus' stories and teachings. Okay, okay. Part of it. Anybody else? What's the purpose of Luke? have an accurate uh, historical document of Jesus' life. You're on the right track. Go to Luke chapter 1. So if you ever want to know If you ever want to know what an author is about, where do you go in the book? Prologue. The prologue, the introduction. So here we go. Chapter one, verse one is as much as many as have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those is from the beginning where eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good for me also. Having followed all these things closely for some time, to, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent, Theophilus. There's the guy, the guy that hired him. to write this: that you may have cer- 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 what is that? certainty? That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So you're exactly right, both of you. The purpose of the book is to give you an account of what Theophilus has been taught. So apparently somebody was teaching Theo. It got him fired up, and he's a wealthy man, and he chose Luke to go out, deployed him, and said, get anything and everything you can of the witnesses of Jesus. You know why? Because they're going to die. We're going to lose account, and we need to know. So let's go back to chapter 10. So now we know. Verse 25. Now a lawyer stood up. Jesus is talking to a group of people. What group of people was he talking to? Who's he talking to? Talking to lawyers, scribes, huh? No, he's not talking to prophets and kings, but he's talking to a group of people, and this group of people is about the context of five individuals, five type of individuals, okay? Disciples or followers, his followers, the common man, the zealot, we'll talk about that in a minute, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. Okay, so let's work on the hard parts first. The Sanhedrin, Sadducees, Pharisees. All I need you to know is that they're religious people that if you did something wrong, they tell you about it. If you did something wrong, if you didn't obey a commandment, they'd tell you about it. they walk around and tell you how poorly you're doing God's work. It's basically what they are. Some of them wrote the scriptures. Some of them copied those down. Okay? Some of them were teachers in the synagogue. The church at that time? Now, the zealot. Who's the zealot? Is the who's like, who a very for okay, yeah. The word zealot. Yep, absolutely. So who are the zealots at this time? Of okay. Yeah. Okay, what else? Jews basically. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. So they they looked at the scriptures a little bit differently than others and they were basically terrorists, (laughs) trained terrorists to take down the Roman Empire. In their sight, in their perspective, they were soldiers of God and they were going to go wipe some people out. Now you have the common man, the common person, the ones that are in the marketplaces selling their stuff. The ones that are passing by that are maybe selling their crops or their their um, stock, the farm stock. Maybe they're beggars, the crippled, the outsider. Those individuals, the unknown. The unappreciated, the unloved, the unwanted, they were there too. And then you had his followers, his disciples, his 12, which, which were a bunch of dysfunctional people. They really were. But, see, this is what is interesting. We always say, well, God always calls the lowly. The ordinary to do extraordinary things, which is true. But every one of those disciples was trained and skilled for a purpose and on purpose. Case in point, Peter. I believe Peter was a businessman. Why do I know that? It's because he had a fleet of fisher, fishing boats. He had a gathering of people that helped him and worked with him to make money. He was a businessman. He was a rash one. If <laughs> you ever read about him? He's really rash. Anybody here impulsive? Okay, Peter's your, Peter's your man. <laughs> yeah. Anybody in here a realist? A realist? Thomas is your man. Anybody in here passionate? Emotional? Yeah, those are his disciples just like you skilled God saw their abilities and he amplified them pretty cool never thought they never thought that they would be following a Jesus a rabbi, a teacher that would call them out into incredible things so here we are. Are you on the edge of your seat now? Do you got the plot? Do you got, yeah? See, this is when it gets good. So a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit internal life? Was he asking the question, did he really want to know the answer? If we're in a debate and you're asking questions, guy in the back, if you're in a debate and you're asking a question, Why? Ha, 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 yes, right. So that, so that you can use that against them. Oh, it's so nice. It's so fun, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. Kind of like your character. No, I, you're the good one. You're the good one. Teacher, shall I, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He's trying to catch them. And he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it, lawyer? I love Jesus. Jesus always asks a question when a question is asked to him. Don't you love that? Your parents do that to you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's annoying. But in, this, but in this context, it's very, very important. In this context, it's very important because this is how they debated. He's not doing anything new or uncommon. And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. That's a good place to stop. I wish I could. Because there's so much here that I can pull out for you. But a question for the leaders to write down is, what does this really mean? The question for you is, what does this mean to you, really? What does this mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? Can you? Can you really? And what does that look like? Hmm. Well, first of all, who is the Lord? <laughs> to you. If you're going to love something or love somebody with your whole heart, what does that look like? The interesting part to me is that how can you love somebody or something if you haven't been displayed that to yourself? How can you forgive somebody when you haven't been forgiven? How can you reconcile with somebody if you have never experienced it yourself? How can you recognize somebody you've never met? Hmm. Write that down. Chew on it tonight. So, we have the Lord. Love the Lord with all your heart. Who is the Lord to you? I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit, I'm not going to, no, you don't need to, I'm just, I'm just ask the question. Who is the Lord to you? Why does he really matter? I was 16 years old when I came to Christ. I was in a very dark place in my life doing some really stupid stuff. Not only was I making some pretty poor choices, but I came from a family that was very dysfunctional, very unsafe. I didn't know what love meant. Never knew what it meant. Because in my world, love came with a price. That is not fun for a little guy. And so I tried to fill that with something. Guess what I filled it with? Basketball. Five o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night, I played. Five o'clock in the morning, I would walk to school. 5.30 5.30 in the morning, I would walk to school. It was about a mile away, and I would play, and then I would go to school, play in the, at lunchtime, go to school, and play until 7 at night. I thought it was because I wanted to get away from all the stuff that was going on at home, which was true. But I was also trying to fill something up. which was also true. That didn't work so well because you know what when I leave that when I leave that court when I leave that basketball court it stays there. I have to go back to what was happening. I still needed to face my fears. I still needed to face the brokenness within. It was temporary. One day, a family member invited me to church. And in Indiana, when someone invites you to church, you go out of respect, not because you want to. (laughs) Okay? I'm with you. I was there. But it changed my life forever that day. Because I actually experienced, I personally experienced, the love of God. I didn't say a prayer. (laughs) All I said to God is, please help me, because I can't do this on my own. And he showed me himself. I experienced God that day. And I began to realize that I was rebellious and sinful, that I was broken and hopeless, that all these feelings that I had were true but how I, what I believed in myself was completely false. And the Lord that we're talking about right now, that's what I see. And so when I see the Lord, I see that day when Christ came to me and rescued me and I've And I felt and experienced pure love. The wrath of God came upon Christ and he paid the price for me. But he didn't just stay on that cross. He resurrected from the grave, giving me victory over sin, death, and the enemy. That's the Lord that I'm talking about. That's the Lord that I'm reading. What a beautiful experience that the Lord is yearning to give you. So when I read this, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, everything you have and everything you are, you love him because he first loved you. I don't love God to get a seat in heaven. I don't love God to get a smile on his face. I don't, get, I don't love God to get a pat on the back. I love God because I'm saved. I love God because he first loved me. And he shows that to me many, many, many times. I don't love God to be saved. I love God because I'm saved. Interesting, isn't it? The play on words. To be and because. The one thing I love about Christianity, well, yeah, the one thing I love about Christian, the, the main thing I love about Christianity, I've been around the world, I've seen it, I've sat in places of many higher powers, I've talked to people with many different religions, and it all comes down to one thing. They do their stuff, they do their things to satisfy their higher power. And then hopefully, hopefully they're saved. Hopefully they get something out of it. But my Jesus says, I love you and I've rescued you and I don't want anything from you except just to follow me. Interesting concept, isn't it? How many of you are mathematicians in here? Love math. No? No one. Yes, love math, love math. This is a mathematical equation that does, doesn't make sense. How can a God come to me and pursue me and desire me And to want me and nothing in return, except just to follow him. And for him to show you what life really means. That doesn't make sense to me, because you know what? My childhood, there wasn't that equation. I'm proud of you because you did this. And Jesus says, I'm proud of you just because I've created you and you're perfectly and wonderfully made. Huh. So then, if this is your concept, if this is something you hold on to, then it's easy to love yourself. How can you love yourself if you're not loved, truly loved? Another question for the leaders to, what does it mean to love yourself? He says, love your neighbor as yourself. There's two commandments here. your neighbor, and yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I hear this, I'm thinking, how can I love myself if I do not accept a creator that loves me, that gave his life for me, that experienced that for me? How can I love myself if, I'm, if there's not a creator that I'm getting that from or has displayed that to me? Because we can't do that. We're imperfect people. So that concept is gone. The broken systems of the world can't satisfy that hole. It just can't. And so we naturally look at something else. And for us, it's Jesus Christ. And so... You're displayed. You are experienced. He shows you this love. And you then begin to love yourself, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then, my friends, you naturally start to love others. Interesting concept, isn't it? Let me ask you something. Don't answer this, but let me ask you anyway. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm not gonna be like my parents? <laughs> okay. Okay. You don't, don't 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 answer that. I'm not gonna be like my parents because, yada yada, yada, yada. And then you find and then you realize you're becoming like your parents. You begin to imitate something that is above yourself. That's a natural thing as human beings, is to imitate something higher than yourself. Do you know why? A little psychology here. Do you know why you do that? Very simple answer. Why do you imitate those higher than yourself? Ah, you're getting there. Yeah. Ah. But why? Ah. You don't know yourself. You're lost and you're trying to find it. And so what do we naturally do? We imitate others to try to create an identity. It's a natural way of life. And so when you start imitating Christ, when you start imitating the love that he has displayed to you, your life begins to change. And this big Scrabble word for you, you become transformed. 25 point Scrabble word right there guys come on okay no one plays Scrabble oh my gosh okay all right are you on your seats yet are you on the edge of your seats and so the guy this lawyer obviously what is he trying to do he's trying to catch him in the act right Trying to get him to say something wrong so they can persecute him, so they can throw him into prison and just get rid of these hundreds of people that are following this radical rabbi. And so he says, But he desiring to justify himself, I can't stand people like this, (laughs) arrogant people, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus, being in a crowd of people, does this pretty cool thing. He tells a story. He makes a movie. He produces it. He creates it. And the imagination goes wild. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, he was a worshiper of God, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, Then he set him up on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying take care of him and whatever more you spend i will repay you when i come back which of these 3 do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers and he said the one who showed him mercy and jesus said you go and do likewise holy moly wow what a powerful story. How much time do we got, Caleb? Sorry. Okay. I'll try. You've heard this before, haven't you? Of course. Are you guys in social media? Yeah, most of you. See what's going on around the world. Yeah, Pretty devastating, isn't it? Yeah. Are you confused? Yeah, me too. (laughs) Is there sometimes where you feel hopeless? Yeah, me too. Seems to me that there's people out there that like to pin other people against each other, huh? You ever been in arguments on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? It's actually quite entertaining. It's actually quite funny. Grab some popcorn and just look at Twitter, Facebook. There's two parties. The Jews and the Samaritans. And they had it out for each other for hundreds of years. Hundreds. Why? Because they have different places Okay. One. Why? Why do they have different places of worship? Because the Jews believe they could go worship at that temple. Okay. The Samaritan said they could do that. Mountain. mountain where they believe that Moses got the Ten Commandments in the Book of the Covenant. So The Samaritans were half breeds, meaning that they were Gentile and Jewish. They believed that they had the pure religion that the Jews did not. And they went against each other. Sound familiar? (laughs) I don't have to tell you or name names, you know. You're not stupid. And so Jesus, being a Jew, being a Jewish rabbi, says something crazy radical. He basically crushes the Jewish religious leaders. He basically dismisses them. He exposes them. So it's interesting, religious leaders. It's interesting, common people. That you're not who I'm talking about. In a debate, in a suspenseful movie, you start going out after the good guys. In this story, in that audience, the good guys were supposed to be the Pharisees and the Sadducees good people doing good things for God for Yahweh for Elohim we're, we're obeying all the laws and we're going to make sure that you're obeying them and if you're not you're going to be disciplined yeah, for good a priest ignored him a Levite worshiper of God, ignored him. Not just ignored him, but went the other way. Despised him. But the most unforeseen individual saves the day. But not only saves the day, he goes above and beyond just saving the day. This man loves and cherishes somebody of the opposite race, of the opposite culture, of the opposite religion. The whole country and community of Israel, the Jewish people hate the Samaritans. They hate them and vice versa. And Jesus says, this is your neighbor. Interesting. Now, I could sit here and tell you, do this, 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 and this to love your neighbor. I'm not going to give you more rules to follow. Because if I give you more rules to follow, and I say, do these things, and this will happen. I'm setting you up for failure because you most likely won't do it. You'll nod your head at me. You'll go home. And throughout the week, you'll remember my teaching, maybe, maybe a couple comments. And then you'll shame yourself because you're not doing it. So I'm not going to go there. I'm actually going to do something a little bit different today something you're probably not expecting. And that is this. Love Jesus and love yourself. Learn to love Jesus. Learn to love yourself. And I guarantee you, as you begin to change, you'll notice yourself loving people that you've never loved before. You never thought you would. Last thing I'm going to have for you is I am a full-time addiction counselor and a mental health counselor. I sit on the streets with the hopeless, the loveless, The the individuals that you see walking across the street, hanging out at the church downtown, that's my guys. That's who I go for. Was I always like this? Absolutely not. Did I do this, 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 and this in order to do that? I don't believe so. I didn't do this, this, and this in order to get something. I did this, this, and this because Jesus Christ loves me and I just naturally wanted to do it for him. It just came naturally out of me. You would call that the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you follow Jesus Christ, if the Holy Spirit has sealed you and you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will naturally display him. That's E, mathematicians, where are you at? Okay, so A plus B equals, okay, so if I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm filled by him, I will naturally begin to display his character. That is naturally a mathematical equation I now can grasp. That makes sense to me. So to prove to you that Jesus exists, I told you who I was before and who I am now. Jesus has transformed me into an individual that I never thought I would be. Incredible, miraculous thing. I do not, statistically speaking, am not supposed to be here. Statistically speaking, I'm not supposed to be here. You're like, what? I'll be a little transparent. My mother was 18 years old when I was born and wanted to have an abortion. My grandmother convinced her not to and then helped raise me. My mother left when I was four years old and I didn't see her. I was raised by a challenging father. Let's just say that. And my grandparents. Statistically speaking, I should either be on the streets or in jail. If you look at the numbers, But miraculously, I'm here. I have two master's degree and I'm a first pastor in my family. I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what Jesus has done in my life. And he has brought people around me that have loved on me even when I didn't deserve it. Showed me who Jesus was. And I began to imitate something that I wanted to be. Even as an adult. So if Jesus can turn my life around and transform me, the beaten and bruised man on the street, that in my perception of life, I thought many people turned me down. Many people looked the other way. But he didn't. He didn't. And he brought people around me. Some of them are sitting here in this room that loved on me and gave me a chance. So all I needed was a chance. today's your chance. Today is your day. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, today's your day. Jesus is a God of many chances. Is he calling you today? Has he been chasing you down has he wanted to help you I'm not going to lead you in a sinner's prayer but I want what I want to do is I want to open an opportunity for two things for a recommitment to Jesus Christ Or to finally come to him. He's asking for help. The broken and bruised, dirty, filthy individual that we are. This man had no chance to live and somebody gave him a chance. Hmm. Can this be you today? Is Jesus calling you to Him? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, you are King, you are Lord, you are Savior, Redeemer, Reconciler. We thank you today that you have spoken through your word. And if there's any body here today, Holy Spirit, now this is your, your moment to shine. Your moment to prove yourself. If there's anybody here, you don't need to raise your hand. I don't need to know. But if there's anybody here that wants to recomm- recommit themselves to Jesus Christ, do it now. Right now is your chance. Jesus, I'm sorry that I haven't been following you, that I've been trying to follow myself and it hasn't worked. Actually, I feel more lost than ever. Can you help me? You never left me. Here I am. Broken and bruised. Battered. I need you. Can you be my Lord again? Maybe there's some individuals in here, you don't need to raise your hand, but maybe there's somebody in here that hasn't given them life to Christ. Maybe today's the day. Is Jesus calling you today to follow him and to transform your life miraculously? Jesus, I've heard these stories for so long and I didn't know what they meant until today. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for my sins and paid my price. Your wrath was on your son and not me. You did that for me. Your blood was spilt on my behalf, cleansing me of my sin. But you didn't stop there. You rose again, showing us that you were God, giving us victory over our sin, over death, over our enemy, Satan, giving us salvation today. Can I follow you? Can you show me what it means to be your disciple? Can you please transform me, change me? Give me purpose. Holy Spirit, you know who these hearts are. We thank you, Lord, that you have called them and that they have responded. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that came for me, a wretched man. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.